I have been waiting for this moment since I've got here. It's pretty special. Dr. Sam has been a hero. Him and his beautiful wife have been a hero to my wife and I, man, for, for years now. The family has been intertwined. He's been really good friends with my pastor. Um, to talk about all of his accolades literally would take all of his speaking time, and he wouldn't like that anyways. Uh, but look to your neighbor and say he's really important stuff. The amount of churches he oversees is in the neighborhood of 450 in Northern California, Nevada. He's part of the executive presbytery team of all of North America for the Assemblies of God. Uh, more than that, he loves Jesus. And he loves his wife and he loves his kids. And he has modeled what it means to be a man of God. And I want you guys to give the warmest Parkway welcome you can to Dr. Sam as he comes. I love you. We good? All right. Good morning. Good morning. So let me tell you how important I am. <laughs> My mother called me one day. And she says, baby, I need you to do such and such. Now, I had a stack of messages and things I needed to do. It was about like this. I said, Mama, do you know what I do? She says, no, baby, tell me what you do. <laughs> so I was trying to be humble, but I just wanted her to know I was busy, and I might not be able to do everything she wanted me to do. And I explained to her, you know, how many churches I was over, and she, oh, wow, you, you really got a lot of work. Yeah, I do. And I'd say something, she goes, wow, and you've met who? And you, mm-hmm. that's, that's just what I do, Mom. And she goes, wow. Now, like I said, <laughs> and when she got done, all I said was, okay, Mama. It is a privilege for me and my family. The young man that you prayed over is our oldest child. And uh, he's here with his wife. And uh, my wife, Linda, is here with me. And we, we have a bunch more. I'll show you a picture in a moment. But it is a high privilege for us to be here with pastors Brooke and Jason. You, you got our finest from our district. We, you didn't just, you listened. I've been in that office 20 years. When I say you got our finest, you got our finest. If you'd have asked us, we had some we would have recommended. <laughs> this is code when you're talking to one of us in the district office. Well, would you hire, would, would you hire Jason and Brooke? This is code. Wouldn't be my first choice. Now, that's code. That's code that says, I wouldn't touch him at all. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here. I wish I could have been here on that dedication Sunday last August when I installed you. I was in, spring, I was in Springfield, Florida, somewhere. But I regret not, not being here. I was trying to figure out how to just be here uh, because I wanted this church to know how important this young man is to us and how much we love and how much we appreciate him. And I'm going to tell you what a lady said one time when I was promoted to another position. We love him. We love them. If you decide you don't love him, send him back to us. Okay? I don't think you will. Saw the oldest son yesterday. That guy had more hair on his face than me. I said, man, last time I saw you, boy, you didn't, have, you didn't even have hair on your legs. This is a good family. You're going to be blessed by them. You're honored and you are fortunate to have them here. You will find out, as they will find out about you, they're not perfect. But I guarantee if you give them the opportunity to live out what they're, her father, the pastor, the pastor's wife has put inside of them for years, you won't regret it. You won't regret it at all. But you got to work with them. 
you know, I began to pastor, there's always people that want to tell you how to do it. You know, the only people I ever had problems with, not the people that got saved, it was the religious people. Because they know how to do church. They just don't know how to follow Jesus. If you will just pray with them and he may say some things and you may walk away going, Jesus, he's your boy, Jesus. He's our pastor, but he, you just pray for him. You won't regret it. There's a picture coming up. This is my family. And underneath it, it says 413. Let me tell you what that means. That's all 21 of us. 413 is a time every day a buzzer goes off on my phone. There's four married couples. One is here, to, two of us are here today. My other, my other son and his wife are not, and my daughter and her husband. So at 4.13, an alarm goes off, and it reminds me to pray for each one of them by name. Let me tell you something. This is the crazy world we live in, and it's getting crazier. And I am not depending on anyone to pray for my family. I'm the head of my family. I say that humbly and I say it pridefully. And I have raised these young people and I've told my grandsons when they were this big, when they were going to kindergarten and they didn't even know what the word meant, I would say these words to them, don't you embarrass my name. <laughs> and one of them one day looks at me and goes, Papa, what, what bad man mean? I said, what? What embarrassed? I said, that's when you, you do something maybe you shouldn't have done and the teacher gets mad at you or what have you. And I looked at his twin brother, the two on the front row with the same shirts on their, their twins. And uh, he says, I said, have you embarrassed my name? No, Papa, me no embarrassed my name. And I looked at his brother. I said, have you embarrassed my name? He looked up at me and went, <laughs> and ran off. <laughs> but I pray for them. I pray for my sons. I pray for my daughters. Marriage is, is not for the faint-hearted. My wife and I in a few days will celebrate 47 years of married life. And uh, thank you. Thank you. God knows she's, she's got a crown and a mansion and whatever else they give in heaven. And uh, I asked her one day, ladies, when we hadn't been married too long, why did you marry me? And she said, because I, I saw Jesus in your life. Now I was a lot smaller and I had things in certain places that dropped down a little bit, you know. I'm thinking, Jesus, Jesus. She said, yep. And then she says, and then I married you. And I found myself saying, Jesus, <laughs> I know you're in there somewhere. <laughs> Don't be ashamed to come out now, you know. And I appreciate the love that she's given me 47 years. This next picture is a picture of our nation. We put this in our publication that goes out from our district office. We are still one state, one nation in 50 states. There's so many people that think that their opinion matters. And sometimes I'll look at them and say, when's the last time you prayed for this nation? With tears. Got ready to go to bed last night. News came across my phone. Young man in Jacksonville, Mississippi, Jacksonville, Florida, left a manifesto, Texas dad, and said, look at your computer. Dad looked at his computer, and before he could call the police, this young man had killed three black individuals in Jacksonville, Florida. When I woke up this morning, I texted some friends, about three this morning in Jacksonville. How y'all doing? Pray for your service today. And then you remind them of this. That young man had a mom and dad. No mom and dad raises a child and says, I can't wait for my child to grow up and do something stupid, something crazy, and hurt a lot of people. It's just like our enemies that we fight against in war. Their, their mothers are not giving birth saying, can't wait for my son or my daughter to grow up and blow somebody up in themselves as well. So we pray for the parents. This is our nation. I love this nation. My wife and I have been privileged to travel on six of the seven continents. And every time I can't wait to get back home. I can't wait to drive down my street and there's a school. And there's a stop sign. And on the other side of the school is my street. And when I see that school, I just start smiling. I said, I'm almost home. I come home one time after being gone. And while my wife was gone, I raised the garage door up. Her car was gone. I put it down and I left went to my daughter's house. Because if she ain't there, ain't no reason for me to go home. See, my home is wherever she is. 
If you ain't there, it ain't home. This is our nation, church. This is our nation, and we know what the problem is. Let me back that up. We know who the problem is. But if he can keep us fighting each other, whether it be gender, whether it be religion, whether it be ethnicity, we'll never focus on who the real enemy is. And sometimes the church is the problem. We've taken sides in so many areas. And it's, it's brought division. So I ask that we pray every day. Set your alarm. Set something on your phone. Remind yourself. This is our nation. Under God. Indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. And if we can start living that out. If we talk less and pray more, maybe God will do more. My grandchildren, even my children, they don't know my political viewpoints. But my grandchildren do know what 413 is. You understand? That's called a legacy. It's called discipling them. They'll be in the car with me sometime and the alarm will go off and they'll say, Papa, it's 150. I said, you pray for the nation. Papa, it's 413. I said, you pray. You pray. <laughs> I'll say, you pray for the family. All of them? Lord, this morning, I thank you for this nation. We are privileged to live in this nation. We can go out of here and put on a T-shirt and say whatever we wanted to say, and no one will do anything. People will drive by and say something. But... And so, God, we ask that your hand will continue shine and smile upon this nation. We need you. We need you like we've never needed you before. We need the breath of God. So would you do something, Lord? Do something and let it begin in me. Now would you bless this service and our time together. Give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What the church needs is love. What the church needs is love. In John, Jesus chapter 13, Jesus is... Uh, He's arrested. Judas um, is about to betray him. Peter will soon deny him. Jesus has just washed their feet. And John records these words in verses 34 and 15 of chapter 13. A new suggestion I give you. It's amazing how many things in the church do people think God is suggesting that. I'm going to make it real clear. I'm very pragmatic. I don't, I'm not a really good preacher, but I can tell a heck of a good story. My, my oldest son is here. He told me one day, Dad, you know, you, you preach okay, but you, you, your stories, you tell stories better. And especially if you tell them like Grandpa told them. So I'm going to try to tell some stories this way to, today like my, my father would tell them. This is not a suggestion. This is not even a high recommendation. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, he says it four times. It's not a recommendation. He says, love, 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 love. If, you, if we will love each other, the world will see our love, and they'll come and see what's really going on, because they won't believe it either. Years ago, I was in my office, and my phone rang. Secretary buzzed my office to tell me that there was someone on the phone that wanted to talk to a pastor, and I was pastor of the day. I was just a young youth pastor. And I said, hello, it's Pastor Sam. How may I help you? The voice on the other end of the call tells me their name and begins to tell me the, the reason of their call, the problem that they were dealing with, and why they were calling a pastor. I'm fresh out of Bible college. Then out of nowhere, she says these words. You sound black. <laughs> Needless to say, I was quite surprised. I, uh, I, I didn't know that the color of my skin mattered to a person. I was quickly realizing they needed some help. But to her, it mattered. And I said, well, do you know why? 
She says, no, why? I said, because I is. <laughs> she says back, what are you doing at that white church? I wanted to say so bad. You got to be kidding me. I'm colorblind. I, I just, I, you know, all my life I've been, I didn't say that. <laughs> it was very apparent she didn't know me. She knew nothing about who I was, where I was from, or any of my friends that represented some of every ethnicity under the sun. She did not know my history, and she seemingly didn't care to know. Her only question was, what was I doing at this white church? I asked, what, what, what do you mean? Her reply was, you, you know, I used, I used to go to that church. That's a, that's a, that's a sign. <laughs> when they say, I used to go, you already know there's a problem. But like I said, I, you know, it's a good time to hang up. But I didn't know any better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just a dumb college student trying to help somebody. But, but I didn't agree with everything she said the pastor said, so I left. And I replied. I don't agree with everything the pastor says. She says. Now what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing there if you don't agree with everything the pastor says? And I raised my voice a little bit and I said, lady, I don't agree with everything that comes out of my own mouth, but I don't leave me. <laughs> I said, this is not a cult. This is a church. I don't have to agree with everything he says. I just have to agree with the word of God. And we went on. See, that's the question, my friends. That every one of you, every one of us have to ask when we get a, become a part of a local church community. What are, you, what are you doing there? Are you, are you looking for a perfect place? Leave. With perfect people? Oh, leave again. Who look and believe like you? Find the exit. In your case, what are you looking for here at Parkway Christian Center? You know, as a pastor, people would always, every now and then, someone would come up and say, I'm leaving. I'd say, why are you leaving? Well, I'm not being fed. And then I would say, well, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, I've been a Christian a long time. Give me a number. Well, I've been a Christian 15 years. Well, how long are you going to live in the nursery? <laughs> what do you mean by that, Pastor. Well, apparently you've never learned to open up your Bible and study for yourself. You're depending on me to feed you. Come once a week. Why you know I only come once a week? Because your Bible still looks new. That's when we talk about when we brought Bibles. Now we bring other items that follow along in the scriptures. I can almost see this lady shaking her head as she asked me again the same question. What are you, a man of color, doing at a church where almost all the people in the leadership team are? different from you. This is what I told her. I said, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had a meeting. Then they said to themselves, we're going to send Sam over to this church over here. There's some work on him we need to do, and that church is going to be the best place for him. I said, and all they said was go and grow, and we will tell you when it's time for you to leave. I said, and for whatever the reason is, <laughs> they didn't even consult me. <laughs> they didn't ask me, an educated young man, what do you think of our decision? <laughs> I was there about two years and I was ready to leave. I called my pastor up. I said, Pastor, I'm out of here. So what do you mean? I said, you don't know what's going on over here. I ain't staying here. This is what my pastor said. Oh, boy, you'll be there. It's good for you. No, it ain't good for me. <laughs> no, it's not good for me. So, Pastor, you just don't, <laughs> you don't understand. Okay, you don't understand well, explain it to me. I tried to explain to him. He says, yeah, and you're still not going anywhere. I said, why? He says, when you came to that church, you said, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay there no matter what. I said, I didn't say that. I sure didn't say that. No, you said, that's a pastor. I did not say that. We're going back and forth. He finally says, you didn't read the fine print. He says, that's exactly what you said when you told those people, if I become your pastor. He says, that's the same thing they say when they become church members. They just don't believe it. Something happens. They leave. It was, it was very difficult for me to become part of the Simmons of God. I wasn't raised Simmons of God. I was raised Baptist. We got dignity. <laughs> Even black Baptists, we got dignity. I got over here with these 
Assemblies of God, folk, and they told, oh, 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 hold it. Where's all that coming from? We don't need to do all that. Well, that's called the, I don't want to hear it. And it was like God began to say, son, what you have is good enough to get you where you're at, but it's not enough to get you where I'm going to take you. And I just began to seek God. And I stayed five more years. My wife said when we got ready to leave, I'm glad we stayed. I said, why? She goes, there were some things you needed to learn. <laughs> I find that true with people that have stayed at our churches. They've come up and said, you know, Pastor, I really want to stay. Why'd you stay? I couldn't leave. Well, what do you mean you couldn't leave? God wouldn't let me. It wouldn't, things weren't happening my way. And God began to tell me, it's not your way that matters. It's my way. I chose to obey. Jesus says in John, people will know that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. You can't love someone you don't know. And you can't know someone you don't spend time with. We won't spend time with someone we don't like. <laughs> and we won't like anybody we prejudge. When I was in Bible college, there was a professor, I thought he was a joke. I had, yeah, this guy, he's a joke. His class is a joke. He's a joke. When my wife got ready to join me in college, she went and signed up for one of his classes, and I said these words. I didn't say anything. What I wanted to say is, you don't want his class. He's a joke. You don't learn anything. You know who her favorite teacher was? Him. And as my father would say, what did I learn? Just because it, someone's not my favorite, some, some, what's going on in the church is not my favorite, what's going on, it's not my favorite, doesn't mean it's not going to be my wife or someone else's favorite. And what I need to do is probably just keep my mouth closed. The lady had prejudged the church, she had prejudged the pastor, she had prejudged me. She had seemingly forgot, or maybe she didn't know that we're all broken people. Every single one of us, we all need God's love and grace that is found in Jesus first. And then hopefully we get to see another believer second. And sometimes it's reversed. See, sometimes we get to see it in somebody and then we say, where did you get that from? How did you learn to forgive like that? How did you learn to love like that? How did you, I mean, I know you, I've known you for years and I've seen the stuff that you've gone through. I remember you when your parents got a divorce. I remember when this person passed away in your life. I remember this, I remember this. I remember. How did you get to this place where you, when I look at you, your face is just like it's glowing and it's like you can handle whatever comes your way. What happened to you? And then you're able to say, I met a man. You met a man? Uh-huh. His name is Jesus. I'll tell you another story in a moment about my own self, my own life. My daddy didn't try to scare the hell out of me or beat it out of me or anything else. He loved the hell out of me. And there came a point in my life where I said these words, if that is what seeking the heart of God is like, what the heck am I running from? Life changed. I'll tell you about it in a second. But they had another friend named Billy. Oh, put, that, put the picture of, a, of a, there's three of us. We're in Ghana, West. No, yeah, okay. This is Billy on the, on the right. I'll tell you a story about Billy. Billy comes to the church. I'm at the back door. I used to stand at the back door. But the story I'm about to tell you probably was the reason I quit standing at the back door shaking people at hands and so Bill comes up to me pastor I said yeah he goes you know I don't agree with what was just said in service I said you don't agree he said no I don't agree with that I said well do you believe he told me what he believed I said well you probably ought to live that I said because if you live what you believe and I live what I believe we'll find out who's right later on and I just walked off I wasn't trying to be funny it was just what am I going to do it's, besides it's Sunday morning man I just got done preaching do you honestly think I want to have a conversation with you so I walked off. A few weeks later, Billy came back. You messed me up. How did I mess you up, Billy? 
Well, I came up to you and I said such and such and you said such and such. And I looked at him and said, you wanted to debate, didn't you? That's right. Wanted to argue. That's right. And you were going to try to change my view and I was supposed to try to change your view, right? That's right. I said, if we had had that conversation, where would you be today? I wouldn't be here. I said, okay, let's try this one more time because apparently you didn't hear me the first time. What do you believe? He told me. I said, this is what I believe. Won't you believe that? And I'm going to live what I believe in. Let's just, we'll find out what's going on. I liked him. I think I liked him because he was so different from me. He's like right up in you. I don't, I'm not, I'm not that kind of a guy. He was white. He loved to debate. We believed totally differently. But I liked him. And you know what happened? I grew to love him. He's been one of the few people that come to my house once a quarter for the last 20 years to pray with me. He drove one time two hours. When my father was dying. Came to this, this home my dad was in. Two hours one way. He and another friend of mine. And all they did, you'd have to know him to know what a miracle this was. He didn't say a word. As I walked around the yard, the parking lot in his convalescent home, pushing my father in his wheelchair, realizing this is it. Might not be next week, might not, but it's, this is it. This, is, this, this thing of daddy being with me on earth is drawn to a close. And they knew it because we had buried both of their fathers. And they knew there was nothing to be said. I took Billy one time with me to the governor's prayer breakfast. He says, I got something I'd like to say to the governor. I said, I mean, I'd been to many of these. I was kind of known in this room. I said, well, just come on with me. He followed me. Excuse me. Excuse me. He's right behind me. Governor's getting ready to get in his limousine. I said, excuse me, governor. My friend likes to say something to you. He, he leans in and says, governor, I just wanted you to know, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> Did he not say that, honey? Now, see, in the Baptist church, when you leave, you do this. I didn't know what it meant as a kid, but as an adult, I began to realize when you do this, that means you disappear and nobody can see you leaving. <laughs> and when he said that, I wanted to do both hands like this, just like. <laughs> and all I can think about was this, the governor saying, I got two questions after he shut the door and he's talking to the security. Number one, who's that black dude? And number one, who is that crazy white dude that really thinks I care about who he voted? He loves to debate and he loves to argue today, right now. But we never do because I am more concerned about my relationship with him than I am about winning a temporary argument. I won't argue with you. I can listen. You can come up and tell me, I don't care what you believe, your politics. You can, and most people, they just love to tell you where they're coming from. As if it makes a difference. So since it makes a difference to them, and since I'm such a polite guy, I just listen. Oh, wow, really? You know, I don't, I don't yeah. That's amazing to me. Wow. That's right. Yes. Okay. All right, hey, listen, I got to go now. Uh, don't forget we're having lunch or whatever. Okay. And go get in my car, roll up my windows, lock the doors, look around, <laughs> make sure nobody's there. And I say these words to me. That is idiotic. <laughs> Does he honestly think I'm going to believe that? That's the most dumb thing I've ever heard in my life. But watch this. I didn't offend my friend, and I still have a relationship. I learned from my dad the most important thing in life is relationship with other human beings. And it begins with having a relationship with God that helps you to be so secure that you're not going to be shuffled around depending on somebody's opinion. Ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. I think what the church may need is a conscience, a daily informed by the law of Christ, which would, would require us to do three things. 
It would require us to, require us to honor one another. We, we, we've lost the skill of honoring people, esteeming somebody else higher than we are, higher than ourselves. We've lost what Romans 8 tells us to pray for our leaders. Didn't say when we stand before a holy God, he's going to say, give me your opinion about so-and-so. But he is going to say, did you pray for him? I'll be able to say yes. We would need to honor one another. We would, love, we would need to care for one another the way God cares for us through Christ. And I think if we had a really good change in our conscience, we'd have to learn to forgive one another the way God through Christ has forgave and forgives us. We, the church, are called to love and we're called to unity. But we have to remember that unity is not based upon the law. It is based upon the amount of love and grace we give one another. The world is waiting to see our grace and love towards each other before they surrender to the God we confess we love. See, it's not about my rights. It's not about your rights, my friends. It's about what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where it all begins, learning to love yourself. So many people, they can't look in the mirror and say, you know, you're, you're really not a half bad person. And by the way, that baby's not bothering me. I've raised 13 of them, okay, so I'm good. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm good. That's where it begins, learning to love one another. Until I learn to love myself. And what happens is that I'm not able to love my neighbor. I'm not able to really love my spouse. I'm not able really to love my children. The lost are hoping that we would somehow bring a loving God to them by watching how we even love ourselves. They listen as we talk about other people, our leaders, our employers, our employees. They listen as we talk about family members. They just listen. We may have even been hurt. They listen to how we process our pain. They listen to how we talk about people we don't even like. Our actions speak so loud, they can't hear a word we're saying. My son and I were having a conversation this morning. I have some relatives that, uh, my, my dad was a staunch believer in Jesus, very loving. And some of our relatives, they, they cohabitated. They lived together, they weren't married and what have you, and that's not my point. My point is, my dad one day told me how it made him feel when people that were close to him lived that way. And then he looked at me and he said, but you know what, son? I said, what, daddy? He says, they'll never know what I just told you. I said, really? He goes, nope. He says, I'm going to love that person so much, they're going to think I agree with them, but I don't. <laughs> and they never knew it because of who he was. He was so secure in the power of God to change somebody and so understanding that he didn't have that kind of power. But he said, I have this kind of power. I get to love somebody. And he exercised that power. I want to kind of wrap this up with a challenge to you. How can we, the church, live out the love of Jesus that he commanded us to do? I think we can do it with three words. I think there's an easy three-word prayer. If we prayed this thing, everybody else is throwing out a challenge. I'd throw, I would throw out a 30-day challenge for you to pray these three words. But before I get there, I want to show you a picture of one of the first encounters I ever had with a group of people who knew and who know how to love. Would you put that picture up there for me, please? I'll make it through this if I just look at the picture. This picture was taken at a party I had. It was called pardon party. The governor's office had called me and given me a full unconditional pardon for all the things that I had done against the state and against others. I told my grandfather when they let me go to his funeral from prison, I looked down at him and I said, I'm going to make your name great again. I don't know how I'm going to do it. That's why I tell my grandsons, don't embarrass my name. 
because my grandfather told me one day, I was 16 years of age, he said, I heard you getting in trouble. Change your name or change your character. It's not your name, it is mine. My mother came home, I was living with her at the time. I said, we need to change my name. <laughs> she said, why? I said, never mind the why. I'm 19 years old. I'm doing a life sentence in prison. And I meet Sergeant Adams. <laughs> I was talking about him yesterday, and my wife looks at me and goes, what did he see in you? <laughs> I don't know. But I had experienced. I got jailhouse religion. It's lasted me almost 50 years. And he would just talk to me about marriage and I was in prison. There were no girls in there. I wouldn't think I'd get married. But apparently he had insight that I'd be out of prison four months and she would have a moment of insanity and marry me. <laughs> he told me once. Had a real deep voice. He didn't mean it. So, yeah, 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 Sergeant Adams. Did you think I'm henpecked? Henpecked? Heck, no, you're not henpecked. <laughs> he, says, he says, you know why I'm not him, Peck? I said, no, why? Because I chose to be before my wife made me. <laughs> so it's a choice. So in other words, it's a choice. Yeah, for a while it is, it's a choice. I had no idea. Half the stuff he was telling me, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But four months out of prison, I, all of a sudden, it started coming back to me. Oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant. Oh, this is how I handled this. And this is, a, he said, you want, you want to have an anointing on your life? This is how much time you need to spend with Jesus. And if you want to have double anointing, you, and he would just, he would tell me stuff. And I would just be listening and I was taking notes. And, and he was, I guess what you would call discipling me, but I, he just liked me. And at that time in my life, I liked anybody who liked me. And he liked me. Because in my own head, I wasn't worth being liked. Mom and dad divorced. My dad kept six kids. My mother and my grandmother, my mother's mother, moved in to help him raise us. And my grandmother told my daddy, I won't leave you until you either get married or these kids are grown. She kept her word. My dad worked two jobs for 10 years to make sure our family stayed together. Greatest man in my life. God always had a man in my life that would love me, someone that I would respect, someone with authority, and, and, and I just would respect him. And then he, be, he became one of those men. He took me out of prison to his house to talk to his son because he felt like I had something to say to his son. Listen, I would have talked to a skunk to get out of prison. For <laughs> his, his, his son was not that. And then... His wife sitting on the front row with my wife and I, she, she had this meal, so I'm eating. And, 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 you know, I don't even know if I even talked to him, but I was so busy eating. And eventually I get out of prison. I become a youth pastor. And there were all these camps you could go to up above their house, up above Sonora. And I would be driving. It started out with just me. I've known her and her husband long as I've known my wife and, and their daughter. And I became, then became my kids got involved. Then I was a youth pastor. And I would sometimes be 20, 30 minutes out from her house. And I would call her. We're talking about love. Unconditional love. I'm Pat. Yes, Sammy. Uh, you know, I'm on my way to your house. Uh, we're going by there to go up to Sonora. And I think these kids are hungry. Can we just stop by and have something to eat? She'd say, yeah, how many do you have? Oh, that's about 15 of us. We'd get to her house. She would have, you would think she had been waiting for us for two days. Well, it got so good, I kept coming. <laughs> I'm about 30 minutes out. Okay, how many you got? Well, I got 45 this time, you know. 
Okay, just stop on by. That didn't happen twice. It just, it just, it just what happened. See, the reason was I wanted them to experience the love that I was experiencing every time I went to their house. I spent the night in their home. Then my children, Royce and Eric and Andre, we started spending nights in their homes and we'd go visit them. Then their spouses would come and we'd spend night in their home. Then we brought all of our grandkids. Listen, there was enough black people in their house one night, you could have made an African Zulu movie. I mean, everywhere there was a spot. We were everywhere. Pat had us here. We had, we were, <laughs> I know the neighbors were saying, oh God, please, not us. <laughs> they just, they just loved us. On Pat, I know that, um, I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I've traveled the world. I'm not sure I'd done all this traveling if Uncle Punk, Sergeant Adams, hadn't believed in me. He just did. And every time he'd see my children, you just come here, my babies, and he would just cry over them. And then my grandkids, he would just cry over them. He would pray over them. <laughs> Grandkids are looking at him. You know. <laughs> it wasn't the color of his skin. It was that. <laughs> you and Veronica and Brent. Bobby. Uh, I could never thank you enough. for the love you've given me and my family. I don't think I ever paid you for any of those meals. She never, my wife says, no. She never asked. He wouldn't have done any good anyway. I didn't have any money, you know. <laughs> you've always loved us. They were at my graduation when I graduated from Bible College with my bachelor's degree. They have walked with me when I got my master's at Azusa Pacific University. They always cheered me on. When I got my doctorate degree from Regent University, they cheered me on. They always cheered me on. They were, they were my cheerleaders, and they always loved me. They will know that you're my disciples if you have love for a man who was doing a life sentence. You invite him into your home. You let him sit at your table. You let him sleep in your beds. You trusted him around your kids. They will know that you are my disciples when their grandkids come and they take up every spare place in your home and you feed them and you did them like the youth. You didn't even charge them either. You just said, y'all come back here. They will know that you are truly my disciples if you ever learn how to love the hell out of people and not try to preach it out and not try to scare it out, not try to politicalize it out, they will know. And now it's passed down to the grandkids and the great grandkids. I'm at the house the other day and I said, well, let me go out to the car and get some stuff. I got to bring the stuff in the house because now she's giving me and my wife her bedroom, okay? I don't even know where she slept, but it wasn't in her bedroom. I get up to go to my car, and her grandson, he says, you need some help? As he's saying it, he's getting up following me, and his son gets up behind him and follows me out. To, when I come back in the house, I got nothing in my arms. Because whatever that was that Ken had has been passed down through their daughter to the son and now to his son. 
That's pretty good discipleship if you ask me. And all they did was watch him. A new command I give you, love one another. Yeah, but yeah, but what are those three words you said you're going to give us? You ready? You don't even have to write them down. You're going to remember. If you were to look at my calendar, this is what it says. Every day when I wake up, it has L-C-M. For my feet hit the floor, I lay in bed and I say these words, Lord, another day. Lord, change me. I said, Lord, Linda's been with me 47 years, and I got a routine. But that routine might be boring to her. So, Lord, change me. She deserves a better husband. And then I tell God, I'm the only one she's going to get, but she deserves a better husband. <laughs> so change me. My children are married, no longer live in the home. I said, but they still deserve a better father. My grandchildren, they deserve a better grandfather. My mama's still alive, just as feisty as she wants to be. Call on the phone. Why you ain't called me? I'm talking to you now. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't. Okay, mama. Don't even try to tell me how busy, and I can't tell her when I'm flying somewhere. Why are you flying everywhere? Well, mama, you can't drive to Hawaii. Well, why don't they build a bridge anyway? Well, mama, I actually, mama. By this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. All men, all women, all boys, all girls. By this, they'll know you're my disciples. By this, they'll know that you're connected to me. By this, they'll know that my father and I are in intimate relationship with you. All you got to do is love each other. A new command I give you, love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So, here's my altar call. Then your pastor's going to come up. Come on up, pastor. And if your wife comes up, I used to go to her dad's church on Sunday night because her mother, she plays like her mother. They have an anointing, um, Elise, Elisa? Was that, was that Elisa that was over here? Elisa? Elise. 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 So she was talking to Auntie Pat, and Auntie Pat said, she, she's part of the worship team. And I said, well, is he going to show up today? And she just looked at me and said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, you sure I'm not going to have to go out in the hallway and say, now, Lord, are you here today? She says, well, I'm sure. And I sat there looking at all these beautiful young people, and, and I wanted to say to her, you're right. He showed up. He's here. See the reason we need to change? You got a new pastor. He's going to make some changes. Guarantee you ain't going to like them all. I guarantee it. I know him. <laughs> He's a good man. She's an incredible woman. But they're just human. There's not a person in here will stand up. I say, I want you to stand up if, if you're married and every decision your wife made, it just made you jump up and go, oh! <laughs> there ain't a man in here every time your wife made a decision. Oh, I'm so glad. I love it. No. And you children. My son told me one time, you know, he wanted to run away. I asked him how much money you need. You, you, you ain't got to run away, but you'll be back. <laughs> I'll watch you eat. You're going to get hungry. You'll be back. But we expect other people, we, we put them on these things. Whatever you needed to get to where you are in God, you have it. This is all you need. But men, listen. Maybe our wives would like for us to change a little bit. I can still look in the mirror and go, yeah, you know what? You, you know, you can still play a little football. Look at you, man. I just suck it up a little bit, you know. I got friends with one string of hair. Boy, they whip that thing in all kinds of directions. I won't ever tell them this, but what I really want to tell them is, you ball. 
it ain't coming back. We allow ourselves to change. And God sends us a leader. Young leader. From, the, from what I can tell from the last leader, y'all like to keep them for a while. You know, y'all not like some churches in some districts, they like to skin them. When they come through the door, they're sitting there sharpening up knives and forks and looking at them. And I don't think y'all like that. If y'all will get this young couple, every now and then walk up to one of this sons, especially the young one. The older one, he got a good job now. He used to like eat a lot of expensive food when he wasn't paying for it. It's amazing, a miracle. <laughs> he, he, he like tacos now, not the whole shebang, just, just one or two tacos. But his youngest brother, shake his hand sometime. So we're so glad y'all here. Put something in there. Let him know that. Just tell him we love you. Glad your mom and dad. Glad you're not a troublesome child. We don't expect you to be an example for our kids. We just expect you to be an example for yourself. But we want you to know we love you. We're proud of you. When her birthday comes around, if you forget her birthday, he gets, he gets paid. But if you forget her birthday, even if she gets paid, shame on you. I made sure when I first became pastor, they was going to remember my wife's birthday. I, they, they didn't do anything on mine. It's just, I didn't care. But her. Ladies, y'all make sure that these, the board and y'all remember to honor her on her birthday. Let her know how much you appreciate how she ushers in the presence of Jesus. That, I mean, if you want them for a while. Now, if you don't want them, just treat them badly. say my wife asked one of her friends to pray that prayer Lord change me she couldn't even give her an answer because she didn't want to change everything you need to get in this pew right now you got it but what God is going to take this church you're going to need just a little bit more petroleum you're going to change a little bit you might not get to sit in your same pew homeless person might take it up on Sunday I, I sat in somebody's seat one Sunday at a big church guy just sat there and stared me down I said this he didn't know he did my wife would tell you we said I said this is your seat he goes yes and I got up and I moved moved behind him but what he didn't know was I knew the pastor and the pastor came off the platform he came all the way back I was sitting in the back because I had to leave early and he wanted me to come sit with him on the front wait a minute this is God honest truth. So the guy's sitting in front of me, and the pastor's talking to me, and this guy's going like this. He's trying to go lower and lower in his seat. Pastor leaves. He turns around and he says, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know who you were. This is what I said. Don't matter. Don't matter if you don't know who I am, just so I always remember who I am, okay? I don't want to forget. God's going to do some changes here. It can't happen without your presence, without your giving. I'm here to make an appeal. I see the potential. Hang in here with them. Love them. Be willing to say, God, it's a little bit money for me, but I'm willing to ride this out with you. If you're willing to say, Lord, change me. I want you to stand if you're able. I want to pray for you, and I'm giving this to your pastor. If you're able, you, in your standing, this is the altar call. I'm willing to pray for the next 30 days. Lord, change me. And not my wife, not my kids, not my mom. Not, Lord, change me. I bet they have a ministry here that someone will sit and talk with you. So Cheryl, look at me. So after we're done, you, you just come right here and wait, okay? I, I know they have ministry here that, that you just, okay? Okay, you just, they have a ministry. I'm gonna pray for y'all. I'm gonna pray for you. Cheryl, Cheryl, thanks for being here today. Thanks for being here.
want your pastor to pray for you, don't you? He's going to pray for you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get out of the way. And he's going to take you. For, what's your name? Missy. Missy. Y'all, I'm sure y'all know Missy. I don't know Missy. Y'all know Missy. Y'all know, uh, uh, Lord Jesus. There's a lot of people here today, a lot of guests. Help them to come back next week so they can really hear this pastor. And in between now and then and today, I pray that you will help them to remember to pray, Lord, change me. Change me in my job. Change me in my home. Give my wife a better husband. Give my husband a better wife. Lord, help me be a better single person. Help me to deal with my pain appropriately so others, Lord God, will receive the health out of my pain, out of my whatever it is. God, help these children to realize these parents deserve better children. Help the parents to realize these children deserve better parents. But none of us have the capacity. We do not have the capacity to change without you. So help us, Jesus. As we rise tomorrow morning, before our feet hit the ground, our prayer will be, Lord, change me and help me to be more like Jesus. And to that end, we're going to give you praise, give you honor, and yes. give you glory in Jesus' name. Would you give Dr. Sam a big round of applause for blessing us today? We are all glad that you're here today. What a miracle it is to even have you here today. God's provision and protection on your life. Watching this church rally around in prayer and, you know, watching your husband care for you. What an incredible thing. And we'll get you up here in a minute when we, we got to hear That's right. She got in a horrific motor, motorcycle accident, went over the guardrails, had a life flight her out. God's hand of protection was on her, and the fact that you're even alive today is a miracle. And she just said, for those of you that didn't hear it, she just wanted to come down and give thanks. Thanks for what God's doing. Yes. I told you guys several months ago that the soul winning church that God was calling us to be, um, it's like ingredients on a table. When the ingredients are set and separated, it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. But when they get mixed together, what a beautiful thing. And to be part of people's life and mess, what a privilege it is. A lot of the people, a lot of people in the church have grown accustomed to running from the mess, but if you'll run to the mess, you'll watch God turn messes into miracles. And what God is preparing our heart for, God, we want to be a church that runs to the mess of people to see the great miracle from heaven. And if you're here today, we want you to know that we're not running from you, we're running to you. And I want to just lead as a pastor as we close this church or the service in prayer, Lord. Would you change me? Father, if there's anything in my heart, my life, that's not pleasing to you. God, if there's in, anything in this church that's not pleasing to you. God, we give you permission to change us. Father, for every new person that's in this room that doesn't know you, would they take our lead and say, Lord, change me. We give you everything that we are to have everything that you have for us. We thank you for your peace, your hope, your life that's in this room. And Father, let this church be a church that chases after you and runs to the mess that's found in this world to see the great miracle that you can provide. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, if you need prayer this morning, if you need some help, please come down. We're going to pray for you. We have a barbecue that's ready for you guys. 
We're not just going to promise you food and not feed you. There's food over there in the whole center. If I haven't had a chance to meet you today, come, come shake my hand, hug before you leave this place. Would you introduce yourself to someone you don't know? Go in your world for Jesus. We'll see you guys back next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for being you.